Hoodoo Plant Mamas Get your soul fed and your spirit red This here ain't no trend I possess the power from way back when That quick book was stripped from all of their kin So they had to find the magic within Ancestors and gather my herbs I conjure at my altar Hoodoo Plant mama. I manifest growth and I release trauma. Child, we just out here trying to water our plants and mind our business, you know? Everybody here from the deep south, man. Everybody can have culture like us. Welcome to the Hoodoo Plant Mamas podcast. This is Leah Nicole. And I'm Danny B. Thank y'all so much for joining us today. Um, we're super thankful for all the support we've gotten even before the podcast is launched. Um, you are not here for no reason, so thank you for being here, and I hope you get something special out of this podcast. Um, first and foremost, we are Black women from Mississippi. Um, we are pro-Black, and when we say pro-Black, we mean Black queer folks, Black trans folks, Black women, Black sex workers. We mean everybody, so if that's not what you're about, this podcast is not for you. Um, we also want to make it clear that we are human, um, so if we make some mistakes, let us know, um, and we will try to do better next time. But everything that we put into this podcast, it is literally a labor of love. We want this podcast to be liberatory, um, and we want to make sure that we are giving, you know, we are doing right by our community. So um, that's what I want to say before we get started. So yeah, so Leah, let's do a quick check in. How are you? How are you doing? Um, I'm a little nervous about this Girl. podcast. I hope it's good. <laughs> I hope it's good. I hope people listen and they like it. Okay. Um, so with me right now, as you said, we were both writers. So right now I'm in the middle of a writing project. I'm writing a memoir. And it's really hard, <laughs> but also I'm thinking about, there are a lot of people who say don't write a memoir because most people who do write the story they want to tell instead mm -hmm. of a good story. Mm -hmm. So I keep thinking about like, what's the underlying theme of my story? And yeah. I'm thinking about Heavy and how he talked yes. about, you know, the relationship with his weight, but also mm -hmm. the relationship with his mother. I'm thinking about men we reaped and yes. how war talked about the relationship with the men in her lives who she mm -hmm. lost. So I'm thinking about those things and I'm like, how, how can I tighten up my, my memoir, which may include me like getting rid of like 10,000 words, which hurts, but, <laughs> Girl. but you know what? Um, and I feel like PSA lame and sorry, y'all listen, we gonna be when we talk about writers, we mostly gonna be talking about Mississippi writers or Southern writers. But yeah, I, I remember PSA said that you can write multiple memoirs. Um, it was at some event. But yeah, I think that over time, we can we can our, our your life just unfolds in so many different ways. And there's going to be so many different things or angles you can take. So yeah, don't feel pressured to focus on one thing. Um, when I think about uh, Jasmine Ward's not a memoir, it was it was only one side of her life. Like she did not pour, she didn't give us all her business. And I think some people think you gotta, you know, sacrifice your entire self 
for memoirs and you don't, you can only tell like a small piece of your story. So yeah, good luck, girl. Good luck with that. I ain't thank touching you. no Thank you. I, I need no it. <laughs> I'm, my, I'm just not ready. <laughs> it was actually, it was advice I got from my therapist because I was like, I want to write a book by the time I'm 30, mm -hmm. but I don't have a story to tell. And she was like, you have many stories to tell. And I was like, we okay, well, I guess, <laughs> I guess I'll find a story. So this is what came up from that and so I'm all, I'm over halfway done with it so I'm very excited yeah, about that part that's exciting my friend is trying to push me to finish it by the Girl, end, you be writing, by the end of this month but uh, yeah I know but yeah hopefully it's good <laughs> well I am doing okay um going through a lot of transitions which we're gonna we're gonna talk about in a mini episode so subscribe to our patreon <laughs> But yeah, I'm going through a lot of transitions, but I'm starting to feel lighter. Um, I'm starting graduate school for the second time. So that's fun. And I mean that in a very sarcastic way. Um, but yeah, a lot of good things are happening, even um, in the midst of this fucking shit show of a country we are dealing with right now. So yeah, I'm feeling, you know, super thankful for what's happening, which brings me into why don't we go ahead and do some gratitude so y'all for every episode we decided that we're gonna um we're gonna just say one or two things that we're thankful for um because we just you know you gotta you gotta try to hold on to gratitude in this climate okay so yeah what are you thankful for today Leah? <laughs> um in general life in general i am grateful that i was able to quit my job Yes, during a recession during a pandemic <laughs> and be able to take the rest of this year off to focus on me, to focus on my writing, to focus on this podcast. I am grateful. Yeah, I'm you know what? I'm just grateful that oh, I don't even know. I do know. I'm grateful for um bravery, for me being brave. I, I also just put in two weeks notice for um a job that was just I don't want to say it was becoming a burden but it was just coming it was becoming too much and I had to make space for better things so I'm super thankful for me being brave enough to say yes to myself so amen and amen <laughs> <laughs> all right so well, since we're the Hoodoo Plant Mamas podcast, I wanted to spend our first episode kind of addressing what is hoodoo, uh, what is the history of hoodoo, and what it is. So the main source that I'm working with is Mojo Working by Katrina Hazard-Donald. We'll have it, the link below in the show notes. Um, so first question. What is hoodoo? Hoodoo is an African traditional religion practiced primarily in the southern United States. In essence, hoodoo is black shit. Yes. If you ain't black, you can't practice it. <laughs> Period. Period. Um, so when we look at hoodoo historically, it addressed every problem that enslaved Africans confronted, past and present. It is a tool of resistance against white supremacy. And that is its major function. If anyone tries to tell you that hoodoo is spells and all this other stuff, it's a lie. <laughs> That's Wicca. 
a completely different thing. Hoodoo is a tool of resistance against white supremacy. Mm-hmm. So Black Americans have used hoodoo to obtain freedom and protection while resisting or running away from slavery, mm-hmm. um, to harm their enslavers, his family or his property, to protect a loved one about to be sold, and sometimes to return a loved one to them to prevent beatings and other forms of harsh punishment, uh, to heal a malady, address issues of mental, sexual, and public health, and mm-hmm. protect against curses and witchcraft. Right. So Hazard Donald said that the hoodoo religion involves spiritual possession, ancestor reverence, water immersion, herbal medicine, sacred music, circle dancing, and shaman priests who function in a variety of roles, including that of leader in religious activity. Mm-hmm. So I got a question for you, Danny. Okay. Have you seen any of this, <laughs> any of these things uh, in your life that may or may not have been called hoodoo? Let me tell you something. As soon as you said circle dancing, if y'all ain't grown up in church, I mean, it's okay if you didn't. I'm just saying, if you don't went to church in the South, you know when people be getting the spirit, what they do. Most of the time, they dancing in circles. They running around the church in a circular motion. Um, what do we do? I don't know. I know at my church, and, and I'm sure at a lot of churches, because I've been to a lot of churches in the South, sometimes when somebody's getting this, what we call the spirit, which is actually just spirit possession, but um, people will get in a circle around them as they're dancing, as they're, you know, caught up in the spirit. So, yes, um, I think you said herbs, you know, holy oil is oils are up in there. OK, listen, I done had a many of my <laughs> a, a many of oils put on my head and prayed over me. So, yes, thou anointest thy head with oil and people okay. be like praying over olive oil. But then if you mm-hmm. say that's hoodoo, they're like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, then what is it? Okay. <laughs> I saw this tweet the other day and they were like, hoodoo is what gives the black church that je ne sais quoi. <laughs> okay, give it a little um. That's exactly what it does. Okay. Listen, and I remember we were talking about this on Twitter and you were like, you took somebody to a black church, some white people. It was when we were in college. Mm-hmm. I was part of a a student group and so we would visit the different churches um in jackson Mm -hmm. one of them was a black church and most of the people in that there were probably like three black people in the student group so most of the people in that group were white and we went to a black methodist church and i loved it because like white church is quiet (laughs) it's boring i was like there's nothing here And so we went to this church. I loved it because it was like my church back home, except it was an hour and 10 minutes. And they were like, sorry, this is so late. And I'm like, <laughs> Let me tell you some black Methodist, white Methodist, whatever Methodist churches, they in and out. Like they don't, they don't do that. <laughs> they don't do that two, three hours. Okay. But um, at the end of the church, everyone was like so how is that service and I was like that was such a good service and all the white people were like it's a little um strange and I'm like what are you talking I don't <laughs> get it. you're talking about but that's what they view like that call and response in church shouting all of these mm-hmm. things those are hoodoo elements and to yeah. white people they see black church as witchcraft 
because mm. I mean, depend on who you ask. <laughs> Listen, let's it talk is. about it. That's why we keep getting these movies that are depicting hoodoo as something evil. You, y'all got y'all making movies about hoodoo and and voodoo with black people using it against each other for no reason. Come on. We're going to talk about that spell trailer that's been floating around. Because, okay, listen, I'm going to watch it, but I'm going to critique it, too. Because I love me some spooky shit with Black people, too. (laughs) Okay, so according to Hazard Donald, adherence to hoodoo represents a hopeful refusal by African-American bondsmen and their descendants to completely relinquish either African-style deep spirituality or their own spiritual agency in daily slave life thus preserving elements of their own African identity. So for us, as, you know, African descended people, we practice hoodoo to honor the lives of those before us and to even honor the sacrifice they made because they lived in a time where practicing these things meant that they could die, but they wanted to preserve their Africanness. Mm -hmm. So we honor that. Yes. So let's get into why hoodoo is demonized. Um, This is also from Hazard Donald. The reaction against slave expertise in both healing and herbalism was at least in part from fear of the slave's knowledge of poison plants, but also from fear of the power that root doctors, conjurers, and healers could wield over some bondsmen. So in the 1600s, in the early 1700s, a lot of enslaved Africans murdered their enslavers because they did not want to be enslaved this happened Mm -hmm. all across the south in the united states i know propaganda likes to tell you that you know our ancestors were just didn't resist in the ways that these other countries in the diaspora did but they did resist Mm -hmm. and what happened was that as early as 1748 uh the colony of virginia forbade any negro or other enslaved person to administer any medicine whatsoever under pain of death without the benefit of the clergy so if an enslaved african uh tried to use medicine on a white person and that white person died they died and that happened as early as 1748 and the laws were passed all across the south so you know enslaved africans could have kept killing (laughs) their enslavers but it also meant that they risked themselves dying and their families dying Mm -hmm. um and so for a lot of enslaved africans what they did was preserve elements of hoodoo in christianity yeah so like what we were talking about earlier in the black church you know shouting catching the holy ghost running around in circles all of these things are hoodoo elements like i said when the white people went to the black church it was like i don't know what's going on here (laughs) Because what they were seeing was hoodoo. And we don't call it that. We call it Christianity. And some of it is Christianity, but a lot of it is hoodoo. Even things like water immersion. I don't know. Where did you get baptized? Listen, I got baptized in a tub, but same thing. (laughs) I also, I got baptized in a pool. But like dunking, that is a African... Yeah, it's an African spiritual practice. Other people sprinkle; they may pour a little water on you, but they don't dunk. We dunk. That's right. And back so in the day, like, they probably went out, went down in ponds and shit. Wait in the water. 
So these are all elements of hoodoo that have been preserved in Christianity that a lot of us still recognize today. So the source for this is uh, Conjurers from the Encyclopedia of African Religion. It says that Africans in the American South found their link to the ancestors and the special knowledge and the ability of the conjurer. In fact, when the Civil War ended, only 15% of the Africans in America were Christian. It took the efforts of white Christians and black African Methodists to evangelize the recently free population to make them Christian. Consequently, the African people relied on the spiritual visions and sacred talismans of the conjurer. Thus, by virtue of the omnipresence during slave society, conjurers became, in effect, the spiritual leaders of the masses of Black people until the increasing number of Christian ministers displaced them during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Indeed, the conjurer and the preacher were often the same person. Mm-hmm. And so an example of that is the, the founder of the Kojic Church, Bishop C.H. Mason, was a conjurer. Mm-hmm. Which is probably also, I don't know if you heard about the Kojic Church. But Listen, I but I done mama. been in one. I done been in <laughs> okay. one, okay? okay. <laughs> My mama warned me. She was like, yeah, when I was a teenager, I went to a Kojic Church and it scared me. So I was scared because I didn't know what was going on. I've never been. I was invited, but I listened to my mama. <laughs> but that's what's there. That, that's what it is. It's hoodoo. Yeah, it's in ooh. its foundation. Listen, they don't want to talk about that. Yeah, I have been to a Kojic church and it did scare me as well. I've also been to a Baptist church that I don't want to say they had Kojic elements. You know, this denominational thing is is really weird because there's a lot of blurred lines because some people would say Baptist church, Black Baptist churches do the same thing and some of them do. But yeah, I remember being, I remember being scared when I went, people talking in tongues, people falling out, switching. I was like, oh no, Jesus, this ain't it. Like I'm ready to go. I'm not coming back no more, period. So. And I think the last part of the history of hoodoo is why it is discredited. And I think Mm -hmm. we all know the answer, white people. (laughs) But in essence, in the early, like I said earlier, white Christians and also some uh, Black African Methodists were evangelizing Black people after the Civil War, converting them to Christianity. Um, In the early 1900s, the predominantly white medical community attacked the success of midwifery and hoodoo medicine. They disrupted the supply network for sexually specific roots and herbs, which led to the fragmentation of the practice. So a lot of midwives didn't have the tools that they needed to practice and to stuff like that. Um, not only that, because these, um, because the white medical community disrupted the, the supply network, a lot of white marketers were able to get their hands on these hard to find herbs in roots and concoctions and so they advertised to black people in print media they appropriated catchphrases and had this fictive kinship think things like uh aunt jemima and uncle ben so they tried to make it seem like oh you know we're one of you to gain black people's trust and they infiltrated into hoodoo uh an important point was that when they were talking about hoodoo they never brought up that it was a tool to resist white supremacy 
it was always like, this is how you get a man. This is how you can talk <laughs> about your dreams. <laughs> like all of these things, but they never once was like, this is a tool to resist white supremacy. Mm -hmm. So because they infiltrated, they were able to exploit, discredit, and further fragment hoodoo. So it's not only the white marketers who did it, but like I said earlier, um, African Methodists, Black Americans who successfully assimilated into white culture, viewed hoodoo, hoodoo as part of their barbaric and savage past. Yes. So they kind of saw themselves as moving beyond hoodoo into Christianity. And that was something, you know, people did like way back in the day. Yes. I was lit literally just reading about this. I need to find the article I was reading about this. Uh, well, I wish I knew his name, but this Black man who was like a pastor for like um oh, it's that church denomination that starts with an e it has african in it i think african, african episcopalian Episcopal methodist maybe aem or a yes, yes methodist aeme -E. 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 okay um and yeah that was his thing like to kind of get get black people to move away from some of those barbaric practices that they had barbaric in um, quotations that they had inherited or brought over from when they were brought here um, so yeah okay so just to wrap up the history of hoodoo I think that there are important questions for a lot of us of African descent to start asking ourselves, like, why were white people so intent on discrediting, demonizing, and dismantling hoodoo? Why were they so intent on evangelizing us to Christianity? And when you think about it, like, did they really care about our benefit? Like, this was right after being enslaved for 250 years. Did they care for us to be Christian? Did they really care about our soul? So why did they do this? And not only that, why are we afraid of our ancestors and the things they believed in and practiced? And it's not only why are we afraid, but who told us to be afraid? So I think when we ask these questions and we're honest with them, we see that hoodoo is not a bad thing. Hoodoo is something we were taught to be afraid of. And I want to share something. So I... I follow the spiritualist on Twitter. Their name is Kaya Sinclair. And they had a message a few, it was like a couple of months ago. And they were like, this message is for someone, get a book with one of these three letters. One of the letters was H. And it was like in the 11th chapter, on the 11th page, there is a message for you. So I looked on my bookshelf, there was heavy. <laughs> I got it. 11 chapter, there was only three pages. So I was like, well, this message is not for me. <laughs> so a few weeks later, which was like a week or two ago, I was like, holy Bible starts with an H. <laughs> mm. So I looked in the Bible. I think the 11th book is Second Kings. The 11th page talked a lot about offerings, but there was a chapter or a verse that stuck with me that talked about the reason why you have so much evil in your life is because you turned away, you turned away from the God that got you out of bondage. So when I was doing this research and I saw like, not that many black people practice Christianity, a lot of black people practice Hoodoo. And when we look across the diaspora at all of these revolutions um, for freedom, a lot of them were led by people who practiced African spirituality, like in Haiti, 
uh, it was led by a Vondu priestess mm-hmm. in Jamaica, someone who practiced Obeya. So all of these things were led by people who practice African spirituality. So this conversion to Christianity, while I don't think Christianity is bad, I do think you can get a lot of good things from it. We have to think, is this a strategy to tear us away from something that could, I don't know, help us dismantle white supremacy? Mm-hmm. Like this was the thing that got us out of slavery. What, how much more good could it do for Black people if we continue to practice it? Yeah, and contrary to what y'all know, um, a lot of, especially older Black people, but a lot of older Black people practice hoodoo on the side of being Christian, which is fine. Like there are a lot of Christians that y'all don't know. They got altars at home. Um, they're feeding their ancestors. Um, they're doing all kinds of stuff you don't know in addition to being Christian. But yeah, a lot of people, and they might not call it hoodoo, and that's fine. That That's fine. I, I have an aunt who some of the stuff she be saying, I'm just like, girl, you tread lightly. That's what I be thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Do you want to go ahead and take the break? Yeah, we can take a break. Okay. All right, y'all. So a few ways to support us. First, we can start with the non-monetary ways. Um, That includes liking, reviewing our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or whatever streaming platform you use. If you love us, give us five stars. If you hate us, keep it moving. (laughs) Um, Share our podcast with your friends, family, and on social media preferably Twitter and Instagram. We're not on Facebook. For monetary um, donations, you can join our Patreon where we share exclusive content for mini mini sales, plant tips, and card pullings. You can also drop a donation on our PayPal. Uh, We're going to get a cash out soon. Any amount is appreciated um, to help sustain the work of two Black women. Then be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and on our Instagram, Hoodoo Plant Mamas. Uh, Feel free to tag us when you're listening to the show. Let us know how you're feeling. Let us know what resonates. Um, And then lastly, if you are interested in sponsoring an episode, hit us up via email at hoodooplantmamas at gmail.com. We especially want to work with Black, POC-owned, and queer-owned businesses. And if you're a white business, want to be a good ally and drop some coins on us, we will take that too. All right, Leah, let's get back to the show. Okay, so let's talk about our spiritual journeys. Like, what led us to hoodoo, Danny? So, it's so complicated, y'all. Okay, so I, you know, I grew up in the church, and I still got the church in me, unfortunately. But um, I really just, I when I was growing up, I was I questioned so many things. I made people uncomfortable. I remember in Sunday school, which I enjoyed, I enjoyed Sunday school, I would ask questions because some shit just wasn't adding up. And so the responses, when I think back on it, always seem to make the teachers uncomfortable. And I remember one time I asked the question about something we were reading in the Bible and she was like, it's so because God said, because God said it was so, that's it. That's the answer. And she like moved on. She didn't want to talk about it. Um, And for me, a a child that was super curious, always thinking about stuff. I was kind of weird. 
that just didn't work for me. And so, you know, when I grew up and went off to college, um, I know people be like shitting on the fact that like, oh, some of y'all, y'all got to go to college to get woke and learn about stuff. But I'm sorry. I came from a small ass town and it was just certain stuff that I wasn't exposed to until I got to college. But even that, like, even that is filtered through a very problematic you know, lens. So even in college, when I'm exposed to all these different things, I still had to like, um, I still had to figure out um, my spiritual journey outside of a white, um, I don't, I, I really hate the word white supremacy, but white, white supremacist um, frame or lens. So um, I went through a real big crisis in college with Christianity and then some kind of way I found my way back and I didn't really realize that some of the things that um, I was incorporating into my life um, included like hoodoo, but some kind of way I made, made my way to an Ephi priestess. Ephi, I actually, I actually uh, formed connections with two Ephi priestesses, um, but both of them I remember saying, oh, you need an altar. And I was like, man, I ain't finna do that. It, it just felt like too, I was like an altar, y'all. Don't do that. I don't want no spirits up in my house. And then, <laughs> I, and then um, I started seeing another one regularly as kind of like a therapist. Well, she was a therapist, um, but she also was an Ephi priestess. And she, you know, we went through a couple of things where she had me thinking seriously about an altar and after a couple of things like happened in my life, my life kind of got turned upside down. Um, I started getting more serious about having an ancestry, an ancestral uh, altar. Um, I started reconnecting with nature. I started getting, you know, getting my relationship with God um, or de redeveloping that relationship because I feel like I was in a space in my life where I felt really distant from God, which was it just, it had me all out of whack because even growing up in church, even having some negative experiences, I never felt disconnected from God. Like I always felt like God was with me. God was this energy that I could feel all around me. Um, but then there were just moments in church where it was like, damn, y'all making me think God hates me, you know? So yeah, I don't know. My journey is ongoing. I'm still trying to figure things out. I'm actually probably dabbling a lot more in what some people would see as Christianity. Like I got a Bible on my altar because a lot of my ancestors too. are Christian. Like my great grandfather apparently was a Freemason, which, you know, I still got questions because I still don't know exactly <laughs> what that is. But um my grandma is very defensive of it. She's like, that is a Christian fraternity. And I'm just like, okay, girl, sound like a cult to me, but <laughs> <laughs> no, let me stop. No offense to anybody. I actually just don't know what it is. I've only heard that it was cultish, but um, I do know that he was a very, uh, he was a Christian, very Christian man. Um, and I know that my great grandmother, just from seeing her old, old Bible that, I'm assuming she read the Bible a lot. She wrote in the Bible. She um, she documented things about her children and family members that died and were born in that Bible. So I come from some Bible reading ass people, period. And I don't want to be given like gems from the mini episode, but I will say a reading that I had 
um, she told me like, girl, you need to be reading the Bible. So my ancestors be want me to read the Bible. I'm, I still will only look through Psalms. <laughs> be like, listen, y'all. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty much, I, I, I'll just say my spiritual journey is ongoing. I'm still trying to figure things out. I'm still trying to decolonize myself. Okay. Because listen, I be scared. Like I be scared. I be like, man, don't be showing up. Don't be, I don't want to wake up and somebody sitting at the end of my bed. Like, so listen, we got to talk. I don't want it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. Yeah. So what about you, Leah? Okay, so I want to say a lot of my experiences in church were similar to yours. I also asked a lot of questions because the math was not math. And so I was like, y'all got to tell me some. But um, I was told that is a sign of <laughs> a non-true believer. And I was like, okay, I just had a question. But okay. Um, but even as a child, like we moved to the country when I was six and I spent hours outside. I was always walking around in the forest. I didn't have a care in the world. I was not like something out here is going to attack me like I am now. <laughs> oh my gosh, me too. I wasn't scared of nothing <laughs> until now. <laughs> but it was just like, I would, anytime I had a problem, I would just go outside. I would talk to the wind and I would like get answers. And I didn't understand what that was. I was just like, you know, I just go outside talking. I get answers and whatever. Um, but it wasn't until I got to to college, so the college we went to, and I was in this Methodist group, and the pastor there was asking a lot of the really big questions. He was like, is heaven even real? What happens after we die? And is God even real? Is Christianity even something we should practice? And I was like, he's a pastor asking these kinds of questions? But he was the one who was kind of like, do not be afraid of asking questions because you don't know what you believe unless you're able to question it and, you know, have the faith that this is what you believe. You have to be able to question your beliefs, basically. And so that was very helpful for me. And I think I just had a lot of problems with the church that I went to, very slut shaming, um, very much was like, girls have to be perfect. Boys can make mistakes. But if a girl makes one mistake, she's going to burn in hell for the rest of her life. Um, it had a lot of these practices like, you know, girls had to wear dresses and stuff. Couldn't wear pants because men could only wear pants. The pastor refused to acknowledge women as leaders. Um, any woman pastor, quote unquote, who came in, he was like, she's an evangelist. She's not a pastor. Men are pastors. So there was a lot of this stuff that I didn't believe in. And I was just like, there has to be a better way. Um, and so I grew up with a mama who loved supernatural stuff. She loves sci-fi. She loves fantasy. Also, I'd be asking my mama questions about things that people say on the internet. And it was like, all black folks know this. And I was like, I don't know this. And then I go to my mama and she's like, well, back in the day, the old folks used to say, and I'm like, Encyclopedia Brown over here <laughs> knows all about hoodoo. And she don't be telling me nothing, <laughs> but she don't call it hoodoo. <laughs> she don't call it hoodoo. But mm -hmm. anyway, like she kind of introduced me to this world of witchcraft that was very white. Uh, but I was also very interested in it. Ever since I was little, I was like, I'm a witch. <laughs> My nickname in third grade was Bruja. So. Oh, Lord. 
I was a witch. But um, yeah, <laughs> ever since I was little, I've had dreams that were very weird. Um, and sometimes those dreams came true. And it was just like every now and then, I think it started when I was eight. Um, I asked like, what, who's my third grade teacher going to be? And her face showed up in my head and I was like, oh, okay. And then I had never seen this woman before. And two months later, that was my third grade teacher. And I was like, okay, I was like, this is cool. And kept going about my life. Um, and about a couple of months ago, I kept having dreams like that, except they were more frequent. So I was like, maybe let me look into this. And also around that time, I saw this moonstone ring and I was like, I don't know what it is. Cause I see gemstones all the time. I have crystals. I was like, I don't know what it is about this moonstone, but I want it. And it was like that for months. And I finally got it. And I was like, what does a moonstone crystal even do? And I saw, or I watched this video, I think it was with Nagara, but whoever it was, they said that a moonstone crystal is a tool of ancestral divination. And if you have it, that means your ancestors have something you need to tell, they need to tell you. And so that was really when I started to lean in and be like, okay, well, what's going on here? You know, I started listening to a little juju podcast. <laughs> I started, um, I built my altar. I went to it every day. I prayed at it. Um, and that, and like you, I'm still on this spiritual journey of like discovering and figuring things out. This year has been a year of drags. It really has. Tell me about it. <laughs> My ancestors got a lot to call me out on. And I was like, okay, I didn't come here for this. I came here for answers and love, <laughs> not drags. But yeah, that is how I got here. <laughs> yeah, somebody told me this year was the year of consequences. And I feel that it's also the year of like reckoning. Um, it's a lot happening. It's a lot happening this year. I, I've been, I've been saying, and I've been saying this since, ooh, since the beginning of this year, that like the veil is being pulled back on some folks. Like really, like I also think it's the year of pulling back the veil on like evil on folks that's been getting away with a lot of shit for a long time. All of y'all are harming black folks. So do we want to take a short break? so let's talk about when y'all was on twitter calling your ancestors demons we're gonna talk about that all right so i think this i'm pretty sure our show title is going to be ancestors ancestor demons question mark so the inspiration for the show title um came from when a tweet was floating around about the honeypot founder um who credits an ancestor for coming to her in a dream and giving her the recipe for her product. Um, and if you don't know, Honey Pot is a product for people with vaginas. And she is very intentional about saying people with vaginas, y'all, because not everybody with a vagina is a woman, period. Argue with your mama. All right. So, <laughs> so yeah. And so people was on Twitter denouncing us. Some girl, well, I actually don't know what the person's gender was. Some person was like, um, man, I wanted to support this so bad, but you know, black folks love witchcraft. And I, everybody was confusion. Apparently the new thing is calling spiritual folks on Twitter, chicken foot Twitter. So yes, chicken foot Twitter <laughs> was perplexed because we like, so y'all, 
your ancestors is is witchcraft and demons i mean maybe some of them practice witchcraft but they demons now so yeah but yeah that had everybody confused because we was like listen y'all ain't gotta be doing the herbs you ain't even gotta have an ancestral uh, altar if you don't want to but you really out here calling your dead folks demons i mean it kind of goes into like there's such a separation between like us and our our african spirituality because we don't honor our dead anymore you know what the crazy thing is i don't think people intentionally honor your dad but like honoring your ancestors is such a black ass tradition that we do and we don't even realize it like family family reunions family reunions mm-hmm. are honoring your ancestors most of us when we have our um our family reunion shirts there's a family tree on it also those shirts that people make when people die okay ancestor reverence i know we be laughing about the picture with the clouds having people (laughs) in the clouds on the shirt but i'm just saying that is ancestral reverence that is black ass shit altars on street corners when somebody's been shot when there's been a car accident those are altars those are very black okay so I, you know, I just can't believe y'all was calling y'all great grandmamas demons. Like, I'm going to be upset about that for a while. Your grandma on the other side, her and Harriet are talking like, girl, they really over here calling us demons after everything we done done for them. <laughs> oh my God. Like, you, y'all, ought to, y'all ought to be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> I would never. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we... A part of this show is going to be really getting all of us to ask ourselves some serious questions about how we view anything associated with Black traditions, how we even view our own ancestors. Like, you scare of the people. You, some of these people you knew. You knew in this life. And somehow you're, you are scared, scared of them now that they're dead because of really a very Western view of spirits. Like, when we think about spirits and ghosts, that's always been some spooky shit. I'm, I mean, I still don't really want to see no ghosts. I, I have seen things when I was younger, um, but now I think now that I'm older, there is a blockage, which I'm happy for. I, I really, I don't want to see it. <laughs> and I know that's problematic, but I'm just saying I recognize that that's problematic to not want to see spirits. I see spirits in my dreams, but you're, yeah, you're very... Um, it's kind of like when you drink and your your inhibitions are very low when you're in a dream. Um, so that's different. But in real life, like, I don't want to be cooking and turn around and there's my great grandma. I'm going to be like, look, sis, not <laughs> like. <laughs> so, yeah. Like you were saying about, like, how media has made us view our own ancestors as demons. There's a new movie coming out at the end of this month called Spell. And here's the description of it. A father survives a plane crash in rural Appalachia, but becomes suspicious of the elderly couple who take him in to nurse him back to health with the ancient remedies. And so I saw another description that instead of saying ancient remedies, it said hoodoo. Um, And it was talking about how this was a hoodoo woman who was using hoodoo against another black person and was, (laughs) it was just like making this thing like, 
she was demonic because she practiced this African spirituality. And we aren't thinking about how we're internalized. That's white supremacy. That goes back to like, when I was talking about the history of hoodoo, when white people were like, hey, this thing uh, these enslaved Africans are doing is demonic because it keeps killing us. So when we say that we're drawing on that thing of like, oh, this, this practice harmed white people. So therefore it's demonic. And it's like, no, it's not demonic. It's our protection. Yep. And we don't use it against each other. We use it to protect ourselves from white supremacy. One of the most heinous things that I've seen, and it was on Facebook, which tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> I'm shame Facebook, but I be on Facebook on my personal page, but I'm not telling y'all what that is. Um, <laughs> someone said that um, slavery was punishment for us for all the wicked and evil practices that we did in Africa. Yes, I what? think it was like a minister. And y'all, that is how deep that colon that that colonization goes. Like that is so problematic. That is so problematic. Um, and the fact that people still think that like Christianity saved us. And again, there is nothing wrong with practicing Christianity. But you need to ask yourself why practices that were credited for leading some of the most um, successful black rebellions are now demonized, you know? Ask yourself why that's the case. Ask yourself why in the midst of like a social unrest right now that a movie called Spell is coming out. Now that you see black people publicly reclaiming these these traditions, like a lot more than it it used to not be this public. People People didn't used to be talking about that. And maybe, um, Twitter and Instagram and these places have made these things hyper visible, but I just, I think this is a movement. This is something that is being reclaimed. We are being brought back to this. This is not a coincidence. This is like divine. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, just ask yourself why everything that's associated with um, blackness or with Africanness is, is bad. Like, why is that bad? Like, it's okay to question things. Questioning does not negate that, like, maybe being a Christian has really helped you and has really benefited you. You ain't got to let go of Christianity, but you're going to need to let go of some of that, like, problematic shit, like, problematic views that you have towards Black practices. Because it is, like, that is a symptom of white colonization, period. And I also want to add, like, during this social unrest, I've seen a lot of people try to hold on to Christianity because they don't want to deal with what's going on. They're like, I saw this one thing that was like, instead of skin, we need to be talking about sin. And I'm like, Black people are dying. And we're addressing the fact that Black people are dying. And you're deflecting from that and being Mm -hmm. like, we need to focus on Christianity. I'm like, no, Black people are dying. Yes. One of the most Oh, I hate to use the word powerful, but it was. So you don't want to put me on Juju Bay. Shout out to Juju Bay. Please go listen to her podcast. Um, when she was talking about black bodies being used as a sacrifice for white supremacy, you want to talk about what's demonic? That is demonic. Our bodies have been being used as sacrifice, lynchings. That was a ritual. Like even the way, like, did y'all do y'all see those pictures? It's been documented. You want to talk about those were Christians. The Ku Klux Klan was a Christian organization. 
in addition to that, um, I believe his name is James Vardaman. He wrote a whole bunch of hymnals. He was the Klansman. Yes. And a lot of the, well, it's mainly in white churches, but some like mixed race churches, a lot of the hymnals that you sing out of or on Sunday morning were written by Klansmen. Like that is how deep mm-hmm. <laughs> Christian, and even Klansmen call themselves Christian, a Christian fraternity. They do. A Christian group is raising money. I don't know this, this boy's name. Um, I Cal think he's written house or who, was that, that was in Portland, wasn't it? where he shot some protesters no i think that was it dang it wisconsin kenosha it was in kenosha a christian organization a group was raising money for him so you need to be you need to you need to have some questions about what you're aligning like aligning with white supremacists on certain things I hate to get on a soapbox, but it's the same thing about y'all being homophobic and transphobic and demonizing queer folks. Same thing. Why are you okay with having that shit in common with people that hate you? That's all I'm going to say about that. We we don't have that conversation another day. You know, we hope to have, we're going to have a larger conversation about connecting with ancestors, but I really want y'all to be thinking about the ways that we are already honoring ancestors now. Let me just say Harriet Tubman has had a hell of a two years because y'all been disrespecting (laughs) the fuck out of her. Okay. But, you know, Harriet Tubman, keeping her name alive, keeping her story alive, that's ancestral reverence. Okay. She is an elevated ancestor, but also any kind of pro-black paraphernalia that invokes ancestors. I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. Um, y'all need to throw away the I am not my ancestors shirts. Throw them away and burn them. We don't want that. I think I think they could keep those because I think about like our ancestors used to murder enslavers because oh, they did not want to be enslaved. And you know, today people are afraid to tell their white friend to stop saying the N-word. So we are not oh, our ancestors. <laughs> Listen, the way y'all was on social media with these memes talking about dear white friend, I see you. I don't hate you. We just want you to see us. Are you you really trying to center white feelings while black people are being murdered? No. You right, keep the shirt so we know, so we know who you are. Keep that shirt. Um any names like Harriet Tubman, Fannie Lou Hamer, who is also an elevated ancestor. I got on Fannie Lou Hamer earrings right now. I, these earrings, I be feeling like protected and powerful when I have on these earrings, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, so lifting up the names of Harriet Tubman, Fannie Lou Hamer, Martin Luther King Jr., all of these ancestors, that is, ind- to me, this is my opinion, that's an indirect forms of veneration. We are elevating them and speaking their names. We are thanking them for their contributions. Um, and even the ways we elevate ancestors that are part of our bloodlines, you know, um, family reunions, like I said, saving family heirlooms and Bibles. Like we, my grandma has this old ass Bible that's fallen apart. That was my great grandmother's. And I think maybe it was her mother's either way it's old as hell. It got all kinds of stuff in it. Um, to me, that is ancestral reverence. You are honoring them by keeping these things, um, and passing them along in your family. Um, living and celebrating on the land they work on. We have land from my great-grandfather who was a sharecropper. He was able to acquire land. Um, And then generational storytelling, aka Black folklore, Black oral stories, okay? 
I am also a, ba- a Black folklore enthusiast. <laughs> I collect it. I write it. I am obsessed with it. So yeah, these are all forms of honoring our ancestors. I also want to add, doing your genealogy, I use familysearch.org. And I know for a lot of um, Black people, it can be hard once you... So on my mother's side, she has two sides. One side is her mother, which pretty much all the way back to the 1700s, everyone is Black. On my mother's father's side, early 1900s, mid to mid 1800s, everyone's mulatto. So I can't find their parents. It's like they're you know, their parents didn't exist. And I think we talked about this. I got my DNA results done. And um, I, I knew like black people in the United States have European ancestry. I knew that I had mulatto or biracial ancestors. I knew these things. But when you tell me that I have a white ancestor, just like it never clicked until I saw that I had white cousins. I was like, what is this? <laughs> But anyway, but also doing this work helps us to learn more about our Black and our biracial ancestors, and it helps us to, you know, elevate their lives by recognizing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, like, small things that you can do, like, you, you need to be recognizing your ancestors, you need to recognize them in, like, a positive way, not just the famous ones. Another soapbox that I'm not going to get too deep in is y'all talking about people died for us to vote, but y'all won't build them no altars. Y'all won't even light them candles because you think it's demonic. Okay. Yes. Voting can be a form of you honoring an ancestor or honoring our ancestors that um, fought for voters' rights, but they fought for so much and you can at least elevate them by lighting them a candle or feeding them, leaving out food for them. Or even, like, your altar can literally be water. You need, some people believe, including me, that it's good to have all three elements represented. So water, fire, um, and incense is for air, right? Air, yeah. I also put, I have plants and crystals on my altar for earth. Yeah. And you could put a flower, incense, water um a, did I say a candle candle yeah and yeah, that's, that's it okay. yeah or if you you could just put a flower in a candle so bare minimum you know when I first started my altar it was not fancy it was like literally a cup of water and a candle yeah, and when same. I say I still notice things changing in my life so and and having an ancestor offer uh sorry an ancestor altar does not mean your life is going to be perfect. You actually might have to go, you actually might go through some very dark points in your life because you really have to pull back layers of yourself. You got to do shadow work and shadow work is not pretty. Like it's just a lot of dragging. (laughs) Okay. A lot of calling you out. Yeah. So getting on any kind of spiritual journey and listen, if you are Christian, you like, Listen, y'all ain't gonna take my Christianity away from me, period. That's how I was raised. Just, you can still be Christian and have your altar. You can still, you know, 
I can't speak for other religions. I know for some religions that is blasphemy. I was having a conversation with somebody and they, they had to like get me together and like, you know what? I respect you, but I can't do that. And that's fine. But there are small ways where you could just be like, thank you. Um, but if you're Christian, man, just leave out a candle sometimes to your ancestors to just say, thank you. Thank you for everything that you did for me in this life, in this earthly realm. Also, someone made the distinction a while back to call on your benevolent ancestors because not all of your ancestors are for your good. And like I said earlier, a lot of Black people have a European ancestry and we know where that comes from. Mm -hmm. So call on your benevolent Benevolent, loving. And some people feel like you can call on all of them, but listen, you... I'm not... (laughs) I my listen, I done got some stories about some of my especially male ancestors. They was some they was some roughnecks, okay? They some of them kill people. And not saying that they bad for that. I'm just saying like I'm only calling on them when I need them to like do some work, like get somebody back for me. <laughs> and I don't even really be doing it. I'm just saying like I'm just saying I got some shooters on my lineage, but I'm you know, I'm not gonna be immediately calling them in um because and also some of them died but not in good ways too you have to think about that about if somebody died in like a super tragic way so anyway we ain't gotta get on that we'll talk about that in detail another day but yeah and another way that you can elevate your ancestors is to go to their grave sites clean them up leave offerings black people already do that but they don't want to have that conversation Uh, oh okay no, no, sorry. I'm just being that is, crazy. That is true. Like, like on my um, grandma's, oh yeah, on the day that my grandma died, uh, my father tends like every year he'll go and take her roses. That's ancestral veneration. That's that's why I said on Twitter when um, I was like, y'all calling y'all ancestors demons and calling ancestral veneration demonic wait till y'all find about about cemeteries because that's what you're doing what do you think a tombstone is where you're putting flowers on it you're sitting you're, y'all go and visit tombstones of your loved ones and you talk to them you can do that at your house too girl don't give me the preaching <laughs> <laughs> all right so do you have any fi- final thoughts leah um, Um, my final thoughts are to build an altar. Like you said, all you need is a cup of water, a candle, and you just go there and you can pray every day. Mm -hmm. Listen, um, and try to connect with your ancestors, especially if you are black. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, man, baby steps. We know it can be intimidating. It was for me too. It took me years and I'm still, you know, um, learning, but baby steps, there's nothing bad about it. You do it already. You have a, especially people that have lost like close loved ones. You're already doing it when you go to this, when you go to the cemetery. So imagine just having a spot in your house where you can go to every day and just feel like you're near them and talk to them, you know? So Yeah. All right. Well, 
Um, I, I think guess we did a show. We did a show. Y'all, please forgive the awkwardness. We so nervous. It's our first <laughs> show, but we did it. Um, so yeah, um, don't forget to follow and tag us on IG and Twitter. Support us. Let us know if anything resonated. Um, stay tuned for the next episode where we'll discuss African-American folklore and conspiracy theories that are specific to black communities if you have any ideas related to those themes and you want to um you want us to address it you can hit us up at hoodooplantmamas at gmail.com we're also going to put a poll on social media for y'all to just like tell us some of your favorite or i don't know conspiracy theories related to black communities also we realize that there are problematic conspiracy theories out there but we're talking about we just talking about shit we particularly shit we going we grew up hearing or maybe the old folks used to say just like things like that or just folklore um and then we may mention whatever you share with us we may mention it and give you a shout out on next week's show um we also want to give a shout out let's give a shout out to our um first of all tasha mack with the fat back <laughs> <laughs> She did our theme song. We also, she is also our official, unofficial creative director because she's the one that gave us the name idea because we were over here like, what do we call ourselves? We like hoodoo, we like plants. And she was like, hoodoo plant mamas. So thank you, Tasha, for the song. And yeah, go ahead, Leah. We also want to thank Bianca Russell. Uh, She was the one who designed our logo and they were very patient with us even though we had a lot of um no we were being very difficult we had a lot of notes (laughs) but we really loved the way that it turned out so if you want to follow them you can follow them on instagram and their website is just b j-u-s-t-b-e-e dot x-y-z Yes, thank you so much, Bianca. Thank you for your patience because we didn't know what we we did. We were just trying to figure out too what we wanted. Um, and please go support Bianca's art; it's so beautiful. I love it. Um, all right. So yeah, I think that's gonna be it for the show. So this show was created and produced by a black girl named Danny and a black girl named Leah. Our music was produced by a black girl named Tasha. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for your support. That's the end of the show. Y'all be blessed and abundant. Bye. Bye.